We'll start a new series, and uh, if you're new, um, I preach uh, through series, whether it's a book or whether it's a topic, um, and, and the series is titled, I Wanted, blank, but God Gave Me, blank. You know, so many times in our lives, we want things, we desire things, and yet what we wanted, and even as we pray to God, Sometimes what we wanted is not exactly what God gives to us. And, uh, you know, so many times we ask God for things and expect things from God, but God chooses to move in completely different ways. Uh, Sometimes, if we're honest, we're not too happy about what God gives to us or the way God gives it to us. But then the question becomes, well, whose judgment Uh, Are you going to trust in this situation? Now, the theme verse of this whole series comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. I'm going to read this um, as we introduce this series. And it reads this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Now that verse itself has so much in there. So much in there about God, about us. And, I'm, and I'm, my prayer is that as we go through this series, not only will we start to unpack this verse, but you'd really start to believe what that verse says. That God is able to do more than you can ask for or more than you can imagine. I'm praying big things for this series. And I'm praying that you will start to believe in the big things that God can do in our lives. Amen. Our passage for today is Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. The title of today's message is, I wanted a handout, but God gave me healing. And I'm going to read this passage, and you'll get very quickly why it's titled like this. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of, of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and walked, uh, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. A lot of us would know this story. 
but let me run through it. It's a story about a beggar. Uh, what do we know about this beggar? Well, we know that this beggar has not had the use of his legs since he was born. Okay? He has never walked. Okay? I guess something that we take for granted, right? He, for his whole life, has relied on people for help. He would rely on people to take him from his house over to the temple gate where he would beg. He would rely on people going into the temple and coming out of the temple. As he begged, he would rely on their charity or their leftover coins or whatever it would be so that he could take that money and make it a meal. He was not an independent man. He, he could do nothing on his own. And this was not just a one-off. This is the story of this beggar's life. Now, sometimes we like to romanticize these stories and make them sound like fairy tales and like, you know, like this poor man. No, no, no. no. If you really think about it, this guy was a really poor man. Like he, he was a disabled beggar living off the scraps and the charity of those around him and had been for his whole life. There's nothing romantic about that. There's no fairy tale in that. And for this beggar, it's just another day. It's just another day where he woke up and he had to rely on, on, on the charity of, of someone to take him to the gate, to the temple gate. I love it. Like the, the, the writer makes sure that we know the name of that gate and it's called Beautiful. How ironic if we think about the man's situation. He would get there, they would put him there in the morning, and for the rest of the day, he would beg. He would beg, 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 beg. And just like every other day, people would walk in and out of the temple. If he had a good day, someone would give him a coin. If he had a bad day, he'd go hungry. That was this beggar's reality. And then we see that. Uh, Peter and John, two of the disciples of Jesus, are going into the temple about three in the afternoon. Now, if we put things just into context of where this is in the whole narrative of Scripture, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Son of Man, has died. He has rose again. And in Acts chapter 1, we see Him ascended into heaven. And He says, go and be witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 2, we see the day of Pentecost, the, the Holy Spirit come onto the Christians, onto the first church. And we see the picture of this beautiful idea of that first church, where they would come together, gather, uh, they would dedicate themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to fellowship. And then we see in Verse 1 of, of chapter 3, Peter and John are going into the temple to continue this worship, continue this church. The beggar, like every other visitor into the church, tries to engage with them. And in verse 3, we, we see that he asks them for money because that's what he does. That's his whole life. And then Peter and John, they recognize the beggar. You know, so many people, right? So many people walking in and out of the temple would have just completely ignored the beggar. Oh, you know, there's the beggar again. Oh, there's the beggar again. But Peter and John, they turn and they see this beggar. And they get the beggar's attention. And, and the beggar, we read, gets excited because 
He has the attention of Peter and John. He expected something from them. Now, if we just take a pause uh, in, the, in the story, you've got to try to think about what the beggar's going through right now. You know, the best day that the beggar ever had in his life was when someone gave him more coins than what he needed for his meal that day. So maybe he didn't need to go and beg the next day. That's as good as this, this guy's life gets. You know, like all this man is looking for, all he's, all he's thinking about is, I just need some money to get some food so that I don't die. That's his whole life. You know, like you, you, you go out to this beggar and go, hey, what are your plans for the future? You, you, don't, you don't ask beggars questions about, you know, what are, you, what are your dreams? What are your ambitions? No, no, no. These guys are at the bottom of society, literally fighting for survival. This is the state of complete helplessness. But this was this beggar's reality. He had nothing. He had nothing. The best that this beggar was going to get was a few coins. And he knew that. That was his reality. The beggar knew that. And so when the beggar gets the the attention of Peter and John, his highest hopes is just simply a few coins. But then God intervenes. Verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. Now, pause. If you're the beggar, that's not what you want to hear. I'm looking for money, and the guy goes, I got no money. Oh, boom, boom, next. But we go on. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Now, let's not dumb down the miracle. Oh, yes, yes, in the name of Jesus. You know, the guy who's never walked his whole life, in the name of Jesus, just get up and walk. You know, so many people, right, especially if they haven't seen me in about a year, right, the first thing... Welcome back, Christina. We haven't seen her in about a year. Welcome back. She goes, you know, I don't really notice these things very often, but did you lose weight? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I did. You know, last year, I, I, the grace of God, the miracle of God in my life was I lost about 14, 15 kilos. Now, as much as people go, oh, yeah, 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 you lose. Yeah, yeah, good job, Steve. You, know, you must have worked. No, no, no. It's not that simple. <laughs> Steve Char doesn't lose 14, 15 kilos. Like, <laughs> we use this term, and only big guys use this term. Skinny people don't use this term. But they go, how much do you weigh? And I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm scoping. But there's not that many people that would have used this term. But have you ever heard of, oh, yeah, I'm pushing a dollar. You ever heard that term? And then someone will go, oh, mate, I'm a dollar five. I'm a dollar ten. See, only guys who are above 100 kilos understand that because a dollar means you're 100 kilos, right? Yeah, I've been, I've been, I was 100 kilos when I got married. 
you know, 11 years ago. You know, like, I haven't been this skinny since 1997 or something, like, you know, 20 years ago or something, right? So, so when people see me, in, they, they're like, are you sick? Like, what's wrong? And, and you know what? To me, it is. I, I think it is a miracle of God, right? But for a guy to never have walked before, you see this guy every day, every day begging on the side of the temple, and he's walking. It's not like, oh, wow, you know, praise God, you're walking now, hey, you know. It's not like that. It's like if, if I walked out and I came back and I lost another 20 kilos, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, good job, Steve, you lost another 20 kilos, yeah, yeah, you know, praise be to Jesus. No, no, it's a, it's a crazy miracle. Now, I, I don't know what you think about that word miracle. A lot of people would be skeptical about that word miracle, whether it still exists in our society. But can I tell you, the Bible tells us there are miracles. And do not doubt that God works in miraculous ways, even in our society today. So let's not dumb it down. Don't dumb it down like, oh, wow, you know, the guy didn't walk. He's suddenly walking. You know, praise be to God. No, understand that God has done something that this guy has never done ever before, something that was impossible. Understand the depth of this miracle. The outcome is amazing, verse 8. Then he went to them into the temple courts. Then, sorry, then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit uh, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wonder and amazement. If we had a lame beggar that sat outside our church for 10 years, and then one day he walked in on his feet, I'm pretty sure we would be filled with wonder and amazement as well. This is how God operates. See, not only this beggar, not only was it the first time that he walked and jumped, it said. I'm like, if, 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 if I had never been able to walk and I could suddenly walk, I, I would run. I would jump. I'd be doing backflips. You know, anything that was physically possible, I would do that, right? But the second thing that we need to understand of what he never was able to do, but he did, was walk into the temple. Walk into the temple. He's always been stuck at the door. But he finally got to walk into the temple. His disability may have stopped him. You know what? It wouldn't, it wouldn't have just been the physical disability that stopped him from going in. You know, back in the day, if you were disabled, you were shunned. You know, people thought that if you had a physical disability, that that, that was a curse of God on you and your family, that your parents must have sinned or you must have sinned. So he, not only physically could he not walk into the church, but, but there was probably a, 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 this stigma of like, well, you're, you're dirty, you're disabled, you're, you're not welcome into the house of God in a place of worship. So it's not that he was just healed physically, but there is a spiritual healing in this element, in this passage as well. 
You know, this guy, all he wanted was a handout. All he wanted was some coins to get through the day. And when God intervened, God gave him healing. God gave him something impossible. You know, so many of us read a passage like this, and we think, wow, that's amazing, that's great. But why doesn't it happen in my life? You know, why, why don't we see this happening in our day-to-day? God's moving. God's movement in our lives. See, when God moved like this in this passage, those around who witnessed it were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened. And that's the truth. That's what, that's what happens when we witness God moving in extraordinary ways. But so many of you in this situation would ask, well, why not me? You know, when's the last time you experienced the move of God in your life? When's the last time you witnessed a miracle of God when He decided to do something in someone around you? When's the last time you praised God because He answered your prayers? I believe there are three reasons why we don't see this or get to experience this in our lives as we did, as this beggar did. In, in Acts, and we see this all back in Ephesians 3, verse 20. The first thing is this. These are the things that stop us from experiencing the miraculous nature of God and the work of God. The first is this. We don't believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. We just don't believe that verse. The reason why we don't see God moving in a way that is amazingly more than what we can imagine is because we just don't believe that that's what God can do. You know, we read a story like this. We listen to friends who have amazing stories and testimonies. We watch clips online about how God is moving in in, in generations and in movements. But instead of being encouraged and, 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 and really, you know, digging deep and going, God, I want some of this in my life, a lot of us would move into skepticism and, and, uh, and, and just a critical heart. Can God really do this? Does God really move in this way? Can God really answer my prayer? We become critical. We start to doubt. So you know what we do in those situations? We start to lower our expectations with God. We don't pray to a God who is able to do immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine. What we start to do is we start to pray to a God that can just do good things in our lives. What we do is we bring God from not where where He is, but we bring Him down to our level. And then we start asking Him favors as if we were asking our friends favors. We start to address God as if God has the same limitations and lives in the same sphere as us. And we ask Him to move in our surroundings, but in ways that 
we can understand. Dear God, all right, this one's controversial. Bless this food to our bodies. Friends, I've learned over the last year, vegetables bless your bodies. You don't need to ask God to, <laughs> to bless the food. You know, like there, there was this joke, right? How Christians try to make miracles happen. Like as, you, as you've got McDonald's in front of you or KFC in front of you, you, you ask God to magically, you know, transform this meal into a nutritious meal that's going to bless your body. You know, vegetables bless your body. Protein blesses your body. Sugar and carbs aren't the greatest blessing to your body, but sometimes can feel like a blessing. <laughs> amen. All the believers said amen. Dear God, help me to have patience to deal with my sickness. Dear child, go to the doctor. That's what Panadol's for. You know, that's what medicine's there for. You know, so sometimes we pray, and, and you've got to be honest because you've got to think about your own prayer. Sometimes you pray a prayer that the person next to you can answer. God, I'm so lonely. <laughs> God, just fill me with just more of people. Left, right front back God help me to find purpose in my life it's like dude I, you got a job you got a family you got the world that I created can I tell you that we, we have dumbed down God you want to know why you don't see the miracles of God and His power and His might in your life? Is because you have dumbed down God to your level. That is why we don't get impressed. That's why we don't use the word miracle, because we ask God for things that we can achieve on our own. And it all comes back to this. It all comes back to this idea that we don't believe what the Bible says about who God is, that God is able to do more than you can imagine. It's because you don't believe that. You know what prayers sound like when you actually believe this? God, help me get married. <laughs> That's for some of you guys. I'm just, God, restore my broken marriage. God, overflow the offering in our church community that we would be able to bless this community by donating $1 million. You know, we're so scared to pray these, what, God-sized prayers? Just in case God lets us down. As if, you need to protect the reputation of God? God does not need you to speak on His behalf. He created the, the heavens and the earth. He's got it. It's not that God can't. It's that we don't believe He can. The second reason why 
we don't see God working in this way is because we don't believe that God's power is at work within us. This is the next part of that verse, right? See, for some of us, we might believe that God is able. We believe the, the supernatural workings of God. We believe that He created the heavens and the earth. We believe that He can do miracles. But for some of us, we can't take that and then translate it into my own life, into my own heart, into my own situation. Yes, I know God can. Yes, I know God is able, but why would He do that in my life? Why would God be a part of my life? So people who struggle with this really struggle with themselves. I'm so sinful. Why would God do such a miracle in me? I'm so unlovable. Yes, God is amazing, but I'm not worth it. Yes, God is so powerful, but I'm unworthy. How dare I ask God to move and hear my prayers when I am not even good enough? See, this is what happens when you believe that God is able. You start to pray for other people. You start to pray for other people. God, do a, do a miraculous work. Do a work that only you can do. We believe, Lord. We believe you can do things that are beyond our imagination. But we just believe that God can do it in other people and not ourselves. We fail to see that God's power can and is already existing in our lives. See the difference, right? The first one is you don't believe that God is able to do the amazing things. The second boundary is that you, don't believe, you believe God can, but just not in you. Because you're broken. Because you're unworthy. Because you're not worth it. But once again, what do we do? What, what, what's that doing? It's dumbing down God. You're making the judgment call on where God can and can't work. You're telling God, you, creation, you're telling God what He can and can't do. God, I know you're almighty and all-powerful, and I thank you so much for the miracles that you're doing in His life and her life and in His life, but I know oh, I'm pretty messed up, so, you know, God, you know, I prob- it's okay. Just keep doing work in everyone else. Cannot God work in you? Cannot God work in the worst of the worst? Cannot God work in the darkness? No, He can. Because that's what He says. Because He can. In you. The third reason why we don't believe that, that God works in miraculous ways is we don't believe that God Uh, that what God gives to us is the best for us. And this is where this whole series came out of. I wanted. You know, we all desire things. We all desire in the way that God wants to work in our lives, right? I want to be closer to God. You know, I want to to be more disciplined. You know, I want to be more loving. You know, uh, I want to be, you know, uh, I want to be successful. You know, next week, I think it's next week, the title is I Wanted Fun. But God gave me fulfillment. You know, so many times what we want and what God wants for us 
a little bit different. But the problem is, we don't like or we don't like to accept the way God works. We like to define what is a miracle and a work of God rather than allowing God to define that for you. We struggle to accept the way God works in our lives. Simple as that. So you believe God is able to do miraculous things. Amen. You also believe that He can work in your own heart. Amen. And then when He starts to do the work, you're not happy. Because it's not to your plan or your timing or what I wanted. But what that is is you just can't trust God that He's got the best for you. So you can believe that he's, He can do miracles in your life. You can believe that He's doing and can do work in your life. But what you can't, where you struggle is that you, you struggle to trust God in what He chooses to give to you. Because maybe it's not what you thought. Maybe it's not what you planned out to be. And at the end of the day, if you really think about it, that becomes your opinion and your judgment versus God. What you thought was best for you versus what God thinks is best for you. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that God's judgment is better than yours. <laughs> okay? And I know for some of you, you, you think that, you know, I got this. I know my life. I'm in control. I know what's best for me. God, I know what's best for me because I'm me. And I believe God laughs at that and goes, dude, I made you. I, when you couldn't breathe, I knew what was best for you. It's our inability to trust that. It's our inability to trust that what God chooses to give to us is the best for us. It's like accepting a handout, thinking that that's the best for our lives when God can do a healing. Friends, our God is bigger than what we think. Our God can do immeasurably more than what you think. His ability is greater than what we can imagine. His love for us is so much more passionate. Friends, don't shortchange yourself. Don't stand before God and think to yourself, God, I want a handout. I just want something to get through today, God. I just want you to fix my little problems right now, here and now. When God can do so much more. As we look at our lives, Think about the way we approach God, the attitudes that we have to God. Think about your prayers. Think about what you go to God with. You know, in the last 12 months, even in our own community, we have seen the hand of God work. And I will use, without any apology, the word miracle. Because there are things that have happened within our community that are Literally miracles only accomplished because 
of the work of God. Things that were completely out of our own hands, and yet God, because of His faithfulness, continued to choose to do work in our lives. So when people come and tell me, I don't think God's doing any miracles, I'm like, I, don't, I think your eyes are, are not opened. I think the work of God is available to each and every one of us. I think the only thing that stops us is our lack of faith. We just don't believe it. Do we dumb down God to our level? Do you pray to a God that is just like you? Or do you feel like you're too far away from God? That God works, but maybe not in me. Do you believe that He is the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us? Do you believe that? You know, I know. I know that for so many of us, we need God to move in huge ways. For some of you, it's health. For some of you, it's you, you, you're dealing with sickness, illness. It might be you. It might be someone in your family. It might be a friend. Out of your control. And you need God to intervene. And in your heart of hearts, you want God to intervene, but you just don't believe that He can. Or you just don't believe that He will. You know, for some of you, you need God to intervene in your finances. You're in a place where you've, you've, it's out of control. And you literally need a miracle of God to get you out of where you are. And then you, you doubt it and you think, well, why would, God, why would God care about my money? You know, for some of you, it, it's your future and your career. You're just plodding along thinking that it's the best thing that you can do. And, but you need the supernatural work of God to intervene to show you what it is that you need. Let's go to Acts. Uh, sorry, let's go to uh, Ephesians. Let me just finish with this verse. Let me read this. And as I read this, ask yourself, what would my life look like? If I really started to believe this, and if I started, if this belief started to translate in my day to day life, now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more, not just more, and not just measurably more, immeasurably more, more than what you can ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Imagine what that life would be. And I promise you it would be as amazing as this beggar. A beggar who wanted a handout but received healing. Don't shortchange yourself don't limit what God can do in your life. Because He's God. We're not.
Let's pray.